I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Chris and Sonata Walker here, and we are doing a new show on my show, which we're calling Behind the Scenes with Mental Health News Radio Network. And these are going to be unscripted, like all of our shows are unscripted, but we're going to record these live and uh, just kind of give everybody an idea of what the heck goes on behind the scenes here. And we're also going to be doing these where we um, we use a great new technology that I'll bring up on another show because I want to play with it first and make sure it works. But it's where uh, listeners can log in and chat with us while we're doing a show. I can They can join us um, on a webcam to do a show if they want to or just send in chat messages and uh, be a little more interactive with what we're doing because really your listening is uh, what helps us determine um, a lot of our content. So you should be more involved and we want to make that open for you. So today, my long-winded, here's a behind the scenes, Kristen and her long-winded winded introductions. Um, there was another one that I just did. And uh, now we, <laughs> and we have my editor, yay, uh, Joe Fusaro, who does Hysteria Radio, who's going to join me. We're going to talk about a specific topic, but um, Joe, thanks for doing this first uh, after, or behind the scenes. I was going to say after dark, but it's clearly. <laughs> this is the way, this took a real quick turn if it's a <laughs> mental health after dark show. I thought this right. was a morning show. Uh, <laughs> exactly. How you doing, Kristen? Hey, listeners. It's good to be back on MHNR as always. Yeah, uh, I'm doing good. I, I just interviewed Temple Grandin and um, man, talk about sharpening your skills as an interviewer. Because I, in, if, for those of you who don't know who she is, you absolutely should Google Dr. Temple Grandin. Uh, she's like a, a thought leader in the world of autism. Uh, she There was a movie done about her uh, with HBO where Claire Danes won an Emmy playing her. Uh, and I, I interviewed her two years ago at um, a conference in Colorado called the Human Animal Connection Conference. And uh, I just forced myself and her people were like, she's not going to have time for you. Just don't, you know, don't even don't even try. Just forget it. But I was sitting right next to where she was signing books and I could see that, uh, you know, the, the line was winding down. Then she had no one. And when she's done, she's like, Phew, I'm out of here. 
So yeah. I just plunked myself in front of her on the floor. Like, so I was looking up at her on the other side of the table where she was sitting. And I said, hey, I'm sitting right there. Can you walk 10 feet and I'll do an interview? And she said, sure. <laughs> Came over, did the interview. That's I awesome. was horrible. I was so green, especially at doing live interviews. Um, and, uh, but you know, it was done. It's not, you know, who cares how my interview skills are, the information coming out of her mouth is what's important, but it was interesting to do an interview today, two years later, and me having more preparation, knowing, studying her a bit. And I went out and got questions from some kids, uh, cause I thought that would make it for an interesting interview. You have to think about that. When you interview people um, that do this all the time, getting them to laugh, feel comfortable, um, be asked questions that they haven't been asked a hundred times already, uh, yeah. you know, getting them engaged with you, that's a, that's takes some skill. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's one of the hardest things about interviewing for me at the beginning was I was asking probably the first six or seven shows, I asked all my guests the same basic questions, the same like four or five questions, you know, worded differently, whether they were a writer or a musician, you know, what, how did this book, you know, blah, 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 or how did this, you know, record, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but yeah, actually, um, I think it's hard to do any interview on the fly though. And, and especially with somebody that, um, you, you don't know how, you know, to interview them or how it's going to go. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. And, uh, especially with Temple, she's no BS. Like she just goes to the point, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Let's move to the next subject. So you have to come prepared, you know, with a list of questions so that you keep her, um, her brains moving at light speed. So you've got to, you know, keep her going. And she prefers that really just boom, boom, boom. Let's ask these questions. So I did, I did, um, throw her off with one of them and she liked it. And, uh, told oh, good. Me, you know, told me after we stopped, that was a unique question. That's how she <laughs> Can you give us the preview of what one of the kids <laughs> wanted to ask her? Well, yeah, one of them. And, you know, at first I sort of made up kids questions that I had picked out over the internet, but then I actually asked some kids what they would ask. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, one of them was, uh, Okay, let me find it here. Because she, you know, what was it like for her to tell Claire Danes how to act like her? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she answered that in her very Temple Grandin way. And it was really cool to get her perspective. And also to hear her talk about um, the different kinds of thinkers there are. So, you know, visual thinkers. um, There's people that, you know, are word thinkers. I'm a visual thinker. So I think like she does, she's not good at math at all. Neither am I. Um, and yet she's got this storied career doing a lot of engineering projects. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. Uh, she, she's all about like, let's get kids out doing stuff and focus less on labels, which I'm always going to be a proponent for that. Well, and one thing I remember from your first interview, which, which is pretty good because I've, edited hundreds of your shows. So if I remember this, it must have been good. I remember she talked about um, how we need to teach our youth, I think autism or not, like more skills that they're interested in as far, you know, so that we can get a job later. It's not all about like pushing college, college, college or trade, 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 like have them find out what they love to do. And then let's see if we can find a job like in that area for them. Because some kids just learn better when they love what they're doing. You know, it's not about 
taking classes or learning a trade or just, and that's what we push as a society. And yeah. I thought she was spot on with that. I can't even fathom sitting in a classroom and listening to a lecture. I thought about going to the college that's right near me and like taking French or, you know, doing something like that. And the minute I see four hours a week of lecture, I'm like, yeah. forget it. Because I, I yeah. won't, uh, it'll be, I, I will fall asleep be irritated, get nothing out of it. That's not how I learn. I'm like, throw me up there and um, make me repeat after you or try to figure out, you know, put me on the spot and, and to be active and in motion. And then I can, and then, you know, even if I make an ass out of myself, I don't, and ass, if it's French, whatever, I don't know what <laughs> French for ass is, but anyway. But you didn't take the class, so you could say it in English. <laughs> you don't know French. <laughs> What is, let me look that up. What is the French word for ass? French word for ass. Oh, it's ass. Okay, never mind. <laughs> you learned something today. There we go. So but it's hard. Um, it's difficult yeah. to take classes. And especially now because you have so many other things that you, you know need to be doing. For me, it would be better if um, I looked at their catalog of classes and I saw you know, creating my own uh, radio station or writing my own book. And then I came home like with the textbook, did it on my own and then wrote like a dissertation on it a year later. Like mm -hmm. that's the kind of class I could do, you know, right. and, uh, and, but, but yeah, sitting there and just listening to somebody talk is, is really difficult sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's a podcast. <laughs> Unless it's an awesome podcast. Yeah, that's true. Those, yeah, and I, I can, I can do that also. Uh, but you can pause those and come back to them later. You can't walk up to a professor and say, "Can you pause?" And I'll get yes. back to you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. But yeah, it was just nice to hear, you know, different styles of learning and there's so much we had to fit into a specific box when I was a kid as to everybody needs to learn this way. And um, it's nice that we have way, way, way more um, choices today than we did, you know, when I was a kid. So about how you learn, understanding the brain and how that works. So that was, that was an interesting interview, much better than my first one. So you'll like editing this one. Awesome. awesome. I like editing all of them. So, <laughs> so one of the things we were going to talk about um, was, I think it was detachment. Wasn't that it? Uh, disengaging or disengaging. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah, okay, either, or. So, either or. Well, there's two questions I have for you, and maybe we'll put this out for um, all the people out there that love to meditate. I want to know, and this, I swear, this has something to do with um, attachment or uh, disengaging. Okay. You're like, where the hell is she going now? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I can relate meditation to anything. So, I... <laughs> Okay, so I wanted to hear from different people. What happens to them? What is their experience during a meditation? Um, what do they see? What's going on with them when they're going through meditation? So I, I want to, you know, interview some people about that. Okay. Just to get an idea of not to measure how I'm doing with it, but um, I've had some unbelievably powerful experiences while doing meditation. And wow. I just I guess I want to kind of hear, like, what do other people experience? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, first of all, uh, when I started meditating, it was like last resort. 
was like, um, mm. you know, I was on meds, I was going to therapy, but I just wasn't happy with life. Like I was, things weren't bad, but they weren't getting better either. And uh, I actually, I read, which I hadn't read a book in years. And I had like, it was like a stocking stuffer from like when I was a kid or a teenager, the Dalai Lama's book, Little Book of Wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I just like looked at it. And it was like almost like calling me. Like it was like just just read it, just read it. <laughs> so I finally did. And it was a really easy read. And, and how um, old were you again? Well, this was like seven years ago. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. But the but you know I had gotten the book like when I was a kid, but it was just like in a box, and I picked it up, and I was like I was like all right. So I had just gotten I had just gotten out of the hospital the last time. Um, maybe. You know what I'd say it was like six years ago. So it was like twenty thirteen and I'd gotten a new doctor and he had mentioned that like, you know, we're gonna work on therapy, you know, the first few months just so I could see where you're at and make sure the meds are okay and everything. He's like, But then I'd really like to teach you meditation. And it was something I kinda always thought about, but it's like it's so easy to just be like, That's not gonna work for me and you know, put it off, put it off. So I got home, like I read uh Dalai Lama's little book of wisdom. Then that Christmas, one of my best friends gave me a John Kabat-Zinn CD. And I was just like, all right. I was like between my therapist, like finding the book <laughs> and my friend giving me the CD. Like, I was just like, all right, I need to, I need to try this. And um, I tried it. And I remember I told my doctor about the John Kabat-Zinn CD and he's like, that's great. He's like, but I want to work on some different things here, but use that at home. And uh, somehow it all just kind of came together that I started doing it. And the first, I'd say the first two months was like so hard to like just sit there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was just, I mean, my diagnosis was bipolar one with like racing thoughts. So <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it, it got to a point where it was like, all right, well, I I've heard the science. I have felt that when I've, you know, gone through a guided meditation with either my doctor on the CD, I felt it work. So like, I need to give this a chance long-term. And uh, I think they say all the scientific studies that they've done that like at the six week point, your brain actually starts changing, right? Uh, like the gray matter changes, you know, and it all, all in like healthy directions. Um, the way, you know, when they scan brains, like the, the, I don't know the difference between the waves. I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but, um, you know, the healthier yeah. waves are, are flowing and, uh, you know, just, um, you, you have higher oxygen levels, uh, your blood gets, you know, cleaner and oxygen oxygenated. And, um, so I guess it was around the six week to two month point that I actually started settling into the meditation. I wasn't thinking anymore. And I found like this piece for, I tried at the beginning um, to do at least 10 minutes a day. Like that was the minimum. And then I'd read an article that uh, 1% of the day is 14 minutes. So if you can dedicate 1% of your day to meditation, it'll like change your life. So I switched to 14 minutes. And then probably at around like the three to six month period, I switched to a half hour and occasionally 45 minutes. And I just noticed that the longer I meditated, the better I felt physically, the quieter my mind was. Um, I didn't feel like I was carrying around like this depression or anxiety anymore. 
Right. And, uh, yeah. And it's just, um, it helps you move about your day in a much calmer state. Like things will come at me that don't immediately derail me or chip away at the beginnings of derailing me. I just kind of watch them and I look, I, I liken it to watching your thoughts as they come in and out as you are doing a meditation, which I don't do that anymore. I don't need to watch my thoughts anymore and then let them go. But I do experience when I'm like now, when I, when I meditate, I immediately take some journey somewhere and it's, interstellar and it's amazing and that happens almost like 99% of the time that I meditate I'm able to do that which is great um and then but I noticed that the whole watching your thoughts and watching your emotions and being able to see them as separate from you uh happens during the day that uh, on the days that I meditate so instead of like somebody says something and it's rude or it catches me off guard or something happens that you know, could be perceived as extremely stressful or whatever, instead of it going bam and hitting me. And then I process it and try to be calm and do my work and use my toolkit. I've built up over the years, all that stuff. It's more like, oh, that thing that's coming is right there and it's floating around and I can sort of, um, it creates space. Yeah, exactly. It creates space so that I can decide how to process it and what to do with it and whether I even let it in uh, before it gets here. It's like I, I'm, I am actively a participant in managing those things and uh, ahead of time. So I'm being proactive about them instead of always in reaction mode. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's between like the six month and one year period. I probably started uh, when I'd hear something that, you know, would have, you know, flipped my lid five or 10 years <laughs> earlier. Right. Um, I, my first reaction was to breathe and just kind of like smile and sit in it for a second and say right. like, is it worth flipping out and then regretting getting angry or regretting telling this person that, you know, their idea was trash and I'll right. never agree with it. Like, is it, is it really worth that? Or is it maybe, Maybe it's not that they're trying to get me angry, but maybe they just don't understand where I'm coming from. It's uh, it helped understanding me helped me understand others in uh, in an interesting way, you know, because I can now look at somebody who comes at me really fast and, you know, has all these like angry thoughts and they're upset and, and the world is, you know, the world is tearing their life apart and I could look at them with compassion and say, you know what, that was me, you know, 10 years ago and I'm not going to take that in. Right. And it's it, sometimes, you know, cause you know, we talk about empowered empaths all the time and empaths mm-hmm. and uh, super, what, what's the other term for empath or, you know, highly uh, sensitive, sensitive people. highly sensitive, yeah. super sensitive people. Right. And, um, and a lot of times, and especially in the mental health community, we want to be like, you know, the, our family and our friends need to have empathy for what we're going through. And that's a really strong thing to ask of somebody to yeah, feel your is. pain. Yeah. So I've switched from wanting people to feel empathetic and sympathetic for me to just have compassion for what I'm going through. And now I have that for everyone. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. You actually, I, I think I said this on other shows, but um, you actually helped me with that. And by the way, Joe is now called Joda. <laughs> can't edit that out. <laughs> I have some Star Wars friends that are going to love. That is a Star Wars thing, right? I told you I'm not yes. good with movies. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, I have a couple of friends that are going to love that. You're Joda. But you, I was having a rough time dealing with somebody and fully open to it being, you know, my fault as well as theirs or even, all, well, not all my fault, but, you know, not just blame, blame, blame somebody else. Like, what is going on here? And you said, well, we work in mental health. And so you probably just have to get to a place where you know that that those kinds of things are going to happen because this is the space we work in. And I was like... Thank you, Joda. That's so well, true. I mean, we all have depression, anxiety, and PTSDs of some sort, you know, yep. um, whether it's diagnosed or just a small amount of it there. Um, it's, you know, everyone in this field really has a little bit of that. And, right. Uh, we're, all, we're all working on it. And sometimes, you know, if they can't yell at their spouse or you know their parent or their sibling who they're really mad at and they come in contact with you or i that day you know we might be the one that takes the brunt of that and I, i'm that yes. two years ago it, that really bothered me um yeah. I, I felt things coming at me and i was like why does everybody think that i'm their therapist why don't they go right. to their therapist but now i'm learning like people just need someone to talk to because um for some reason, we don't listen to the people closest to us. And um, so a lot of people are in relationships or in families with people that don't you know, say that they don't have the time to listen to the ones that love them the most. So a lot of times it's the friends and the coworkers right. that get you know, the anger from home and the, the frustration from home. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think too... Um... I used to look at everybody coming at me in business and personally, and then the bleed over between the two and, you know, all that, because my work is my life. I don't, it's not compartmentalized into a separate space. This is, you know, this is what I do and I choose to have it be that. And that's my choice. And, um, and I like it that way. So, I did used to look at everybody that was coming at me like baby birds. And then I finally, I thought, well, that's really like a shitty way to look at other people and their stuff. It's not very kind to myself. Um, and it's kind of a martyr thing. Like what am I some big mother bird that goes and vomits insects into other people's, I mean, come on, Kristen, like get over yourself. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, I know you exactly. can rethink that even though sometimes that's uh, what it has felt like and that's what it was going on. I can change the language around how I choose to see that. And when you do that, it changes the experience. So now I don't, I don't look at like, I have my moments, but those are few and far between where I do the baby bird thing for the most part. It's like, well, I'm a conscious creator and the way my life is. And, uh, I, you know, I, I do a lot of things. I wouldn't feel right if I wasn't somebody that had people asking a lot of questions or that people, you know, expected a lot out of, cause I expect a lot out of myself. And so there's no point in me complaining because I choose this. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't get a medal for it either. It's just that I choose it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. 
So, um, so yeah, for me, the whole meditation thing started, um, well, let's, let's bring this back to the part about, you know, disengaging and, uh, um, I call, you know, attachment to things. Right. One, one of the things I remember, um, I was really studying, this is about maybe two years ago. I was really studying just being detached from situations, people, things, and it was an important step for me to go through, um, and I was not as busy as I am now, but I was busy doing a bunch of stuff that was haphazard and uh, waste of time type feeling stuff. A lot of unhealthy people running rampant in my life that I was allowing to have happen. And that's way shifted. Now I'm I'm busier than I was then, but I don't feel as busy as I did then. Yeah. Cause I'm more Whoa. conscious about what I'm, I'm creating. But one of the things that really helped me and meditation really helps me with is being able to detach and being able to detach from like, if I feel myself getting caught up in somebody else's drama, let's say, um, I can, even if I really love that person, it's a, it's not a, a you know, just a colleague or someone I just met, even if it's someone I really love, I can practice detaching from them and realize I'm not going to die if this person is not in my life or I don't talk to them every day or whatever. I'm still okay. And and that gave me a sense of kind of feeling power, control over my own emotions, all that kind of stuff, and made it be not get drawn so much into their drama and try to take responsibility for their drama. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, you know, we have feelings and emotions to guide us, not mm-hmm. to weigh us down or lift us up to the moon. You know, mm-hmm. it's, there's supposed to be guidance as to what is good for your life right now and what might not be so good for your life. So when you allow an attachment to, to stay and you stop doing anything self-care you stop meditating because all you're doing is thinking about like making this person happy that you're never going to make happy it starts to weigh you down but really that feeling and emotion was supposed to be something quick for you to make a change and say like all right i'm going to spend so much time on my self-care and the people that i love and you know the things that i love doing that you know naturally the attachment will like dissolve away because you're you're spending time on you and that was like your quick guidance to like get you back on track kind of thing i think too it's i find fewer people uh because i am more conscious about the choices i make with my time my money my whatever and I'm not saying I've perfected any art to this whatsoever. I'm saying it's a smidge better than it was. even. Well, a none ago. of us have perfected it. No one has perfected it. I promise right. you that. But I, I find myself um, less pissed when things don't work out. Or I don't even put a thing on that like it didn't work out. I put a thing on it like that was an interesting experience. Yeah. I don't even try to label things as good or bad. Um, I don't try to put myself above or below someone or an experience. It's just like I try to anyway be like, well, that was an experience and don't attach shame to it. Um, no. Take, no. take a negative wisdom out of it if you can. 
be irritated because I'm no freaking saint here um, and I'm not applying for sainthood. We got enough of those people in my family constantly applying for sainthood that doesn't exist. So I don't need to add to the generational noise around that toxicity. <laughs> so um, just, yeah, just being more conscious about, okay, I feel really attached to this person. I feel really attached to um my relationship with them or this thing. And I don't, the attachment starting to feel unhealthy um, or the engagement with this person is starting to feel unhealthy. And so I need to do things to detach. And what I find less is people sensing that I'm detaching and then immediately trying to beat me back into submission where they're comfortable with who they've projected me to be. Am I, I'm going on some esoteric thing here, but does that make no, sense? No, I, um, I could speak esoteric all day. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do, no, Jonah. That, <laughs> that makes sense. It, um, you know, it, one of the affirmations that I actually got from you uh, a few months ago, probably at the end of the summer, was, you know, you felt like, you know, the world or life was always teaching you things like the hard way. And you said, yeah. I just... I deserve to learn things in positive and uplifting ways. I forgot I said that. Cool. Yeah, that's your quote. <laughs> you own that. <laughs> like a t-shirt. Um, sure I but, stole it from other people, but anyway. Yeah, we all do. I mean, we all, you know, words have been passed on for thousands right. of years. No, anyone that claims a word, I, I get a little nervous about them. Right. Uh, anyway. But uh, yeah, so I deserve to learn things in positive and uplifting ways. And that's the thing about affirmations, too, is that it's not, you know, a cure all the time you write it, but it right. opens up that possibility. And then if you yeah. practice that and you keep coming back to that, that can happen. I mean, an another one uh, I choose to release with compassion and ease. Mm. Like, why should it be hard to to release an attachment or to disengage? You should do it, so you know, with true. care, you know, hope that the other person finds their way, but you're not the one to lead them right now. Or, you, you yeah. know, and that goes vice versa. Or, you know, a lot of times we seek, you know, these teachers and they're just like, you know what, you're not, we're not on the same, you know, vibe right now. <laughs> like, it's just right. not going to work. And, uh, and you need to let go of that too, because maybe that's just not the right person to teach you or you're not the right person to teach someone else at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it makes it uh, not have the sting at all. Now. Um, I'm not saying that I, I won't be stung in the future because that's part of life too, but just with a few things that have come up recently where, you know, people said some not so hot stuff about me because I wasn't living up to their projected image of me uh -huh. um, or the, or what I do wasn't living up to the projected image that they had. And I was really able to be like, you know, that's your projection. I never signed up for that. And I'm so secure with myself, so much more secure with myself these days that I don't even feel the need to try to live up to your projection because believe me, I spent a lot of years trying to live up to other people's projections of me because I always operated from a deficit. And since I don't operate from a deficit anymore, I'm like, Hey, yeah, I'm, you know, if you think I'm crap now because I pierced the bubble of your projection of me, that's your stuff. Doesn't need to permeate me. Oh no, no, never. 
that's really freeing, um, especially when you're like, oh, it's got to be the good, you know, girl and prove that you're smart and da 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 or good boy or whatever. That's very freeing to let go of that and be like, yeah, whatever. And also to realize success because I get I get so many people that will email me or call me and they want me to kind of talk them off a ledge because they have this idea of what success looks like and they're not clearly they're not living up to it because they haven't made their millions or they haven't blah 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 and I just kind of listen to the words that they use to describe their experience and I can punch 80 holes into it well now I can see why stuff isn't coming to you because you just sabotaged yourself with that first sentence and you wake up every day with that shit that let's get rid of that right now and I mean, you um, can only manifest, you know, the things in your yeah. life you want from a place of patience, calm, and ease. I mean, if you're exactly. so rigidly attached to it in fear, well, then you're showing yourself and everyone else you're that scaring away your good. Yeah, yeah, you're you're showing yourself and everybody else that maybe you're not ready for it because you aren't patient and accepting and. Uh, and compassionate it always comes back to like are you grateful and yes. compassionate towards something the gratitude piece is huge right i know i know no one likes commercials but seriously folks without the help from these organizations we could not stay on the air please give a shout out to zencharts.com if you're a mental health or addiction treatment center you'll want to use their ehr it's gorgeous and they're just good people and also my genetics m y g e n e t x.com because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment and lastly copenotes.com we love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. And if you're worried, that kind of shows that you're maybe not as grateful as you think you are. So maybe you need to work on being thankful for what you do have before you can get to the next step or if there is a next step you know maybe where you are is where you need to be yep and you just don't love that yet yeah and and oh, that's really hard too especially for an entrepreneur because <laughs> you're but you you have to realize that success is subjective okay so to one person who doesn't do what I do and wants to break into it I may seem very successful but to someone else who runs a multimedia empire that, you know, I'm a, I'm not even a, I'm a sweat drop in a, in their ocean of success. I'm like, my success is nothing in comparison to what they do. So it's so subjective and you're, you try to um, live up to something like looks or, you know, it's, it's just as bad as you look at airbrushed pictures of somebody and realize that they don't even look like that. It's that kind of um, faulty but, way of know, thinking. Could I just say quickly, I, I'm yeah. sorry to cut you off, but um, I don't know if that, like, I think that's like what we've been taught successive success is. But if I look at some of my like favorite you know, media outlets like a, a Vice News or like a, a Viceland or something like, you know, the documentaries that are on there, mm -hmm. or like some of the specials that are on HBO. 
they're not as big or like even a couple, you know, like CNN with yeah. Bourdain and Lisa Lang and like those like specialty shows. Um, they're not looked at, you know, how like, you know, your, your main big four or five are. channels are, you know, like your ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, like they're not looked at as, as big as those or like an NPR, but for what they do, they are like bringing quality right. like honest like information like bringing people together and like just telling the truth and you know without any real fear involved like right. and uh and i would that say as far as numbers go like they don't have the numbers compared to the others but that doesn't mean they're not as successful right i would say they're they're beyond more successful because the content is like so authentic see that's what i mean though it's so success is subjective. Right. And you have to get into it. If you're going to make it and if your goal is to have a long career as an entrepreneur, it's much healthier if you realize that as early as possible. Otherwise, you're chasing things or you could chase things that are always going to make you feel bad about yourself and that are really self-sabotaging. Does that make sense? Um, <laughs> try to think. Okay, let me let me put it a different way. So if I compared myself to a CBS, which actually what's interesting is they're like going away in terms of how movies are done and how digital media is done. You know, the big network stuff is just getting a hit, just like the publishing industry is not what it was after Amazon. So nothing um stays there forever and oh, nothing yeah. is concrete and if you want to if your goal is to be an entrepreneur that's successful over time then you have to it's not oh i have to make this mark it's how can i weather every single high and low that i am going to experience because i choose to be an entrepreneur and stick right. it out over the long haul that's how i look at it right Right. Like be true to you and then have all these, uh, you know, advertisement companies or whatever people coming at you saying, well, this is how it's done, like in the successful businesses and stuff like that. And like, yeah. you're like well, no, like we're going to be true to who we are. Yeah. I think, do something I, different. And, and yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> trust it's, me, I, I, yeah, I haven't. I mean, I'm not an entrepreneur on the level of like creating my own company, but as far as like self-employed and, and yeah. being an independent artist, I have experienced the same thing. I've experienced doubt from day one and it, like people doubt everything I do. And then when like I tell them I've got to the next step, there's always this look of like, wow, right. you actually did that. And it's like, it's amazing. It's like, at what point? do you just say like, you know what? I believe in what this guy's doing. <laughs> like, right, right. Like how long, how, how many times do I have to like, you know, like, you know, spark these, you know, amazing. I don't know. I don't even know. You, and you saying. do, <laughs> you do, you have to keep, that's, that's the other thing too. You do have to keep, you, we, we always look at things as they're finite. So when I create this, I'll have made it when I blah, blah, blah. And that's not reality because you don't live like you don't live for one thing and then die the next day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, you just, you keep on going. So it's that career 
or that journey over time that is what defines you. And I, I've interviewed so many different people at different economic levels, some who've been ugh, beyond wealthy and live a much more modest life now, some that are extremely um, wealthy in terms of numbers in the bank account um, that are miserable, some that are extremely not wealthy in terms of numbers in the bank account, but they're the happiest they've ever been like all over the map. Cause we're talking about, you know, mental health, which affects everybody, regardless of what's going on with your skin color, your sexual orientation, your bank account, whatever. Um, and the theme that I see in there is the same thing that you hear about with people who get older and the ones that are able to live through so much of their friends dying is that resilience yeah. and that um, want to keep moving, you know, keep living and keep moving forward. But that resiliency and that stick it outness, and that's the same thing that you can apply to, um, you know, being an artist, being an entrepreneur of any kind is it's the, resiliency that you have through the journey that is going to be fraught with peril and also oh, yeah. high high highs that you have to be careful that your ego doesn't take control and take you to some place you really didn't want to go so oh, yeah. you know it's maintaining over this long period that's to me more important um then, there, there's a lot of doubt and worry most yes. of the time, I would yes. say, at the beginning at least. Now I'm getting to a point where I, I open my eyes and I want to do what I'm doing every day. But like yeah. three or four years ago, there was like a lot of doubt and concern. Like probably 75% of the hours I was awake was like doubt and concern that like I knew I needed to write and be in advocacy and be creative and, and do whatever I was doing, but I didn't know if I was going to be able to make a living and enjoy my life and, you know, do right. all the things that, you know, happy people do and maintain my health and well being with bipolar and general anxiety disorder. So, um, and then there's like one thing that happens, whether it's every couple months or, you know, every six months or once a year. And it's like one positive thing that you hold on to. And then like, you're like, all right, I can, I'm doing the right things. I'm going to hold on to this. And then I'm going to work towards whatever the next step is. And, um, and over the last few years, I would say that like the doubt and fear has decreased to from 75% of my day to like maybe 10% now. Right. So, and, and I, <laughs> You know what? It, I don't know if I'd do it again. You know, I don't know if I'd go back and do it again because it was so hard at the beginning. Right. That's what you I often wonder. You, but but now there's like no going anyway. back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's um, God. You just said something, and I'm like, damn it! It just went pew out of my brain. No problem. That's what happens too. Um, okay, here's what it is in terms of. Uh, disengaging and being attached to things that I still, you know, have, oh my God, how am I going to make payroll? How am I going to blah, blah? I should have picked something else. Why did I stop consulting? Why would I do this? Why did I spend my money on that? You know, I still have all that stuff that happens. And now when I feel like that, I feel like, what is that trying to teach me? Yeah. You know, 
what, what do I need? Let's dive into that. And that let's look at that because every single month, every single, um, every time bills come in and whatever, I always have like historically I've made it. So what, what is this doubt about? Like I, I can write a, um, you know, remember that woman I interviewed Nancy Dannison that had the, um, you know, near death experience. Yes. Yeah. She's talked, she, you know, she was, I did a meditation with her and she was like, I want you to answer these questions. Have you always been able to do this? Yes. Have you always made it to the next place? Yes. Do you wake up and you're still breathing? Yes. She's like, so here you are a successful person living life. The doubt doesn't have, there's no truth behind the doubt. Right. So work with what the doubt is about. Cause it's not about the fact that you're going to fail because you historically have not, it has to do with something else. So let's work on that. And that has been the big challenge with, okay, the only thing that helps me wrap my experience around doubt and fear is meditating. Yeah. Well, that's, then, you know, that's I every, can... no, you go, sorry. Go. No, 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 you go ahead. You go ahead. Um, I mean, every philosophy or religion, and this isn't like a religious statement I'm going to make, but it's every, like going back to the beginning of time, every philosophy, religion, whatever, you know, teaches us not to worry. Like in in Buddhism, there's the, yeah, like in, I mean, uh, in Christianity, like worry is sin. And I don't think that means like, if you worry, something bad's going to happen, but it's saying like, don't even worry because it's not worth it. Right. It's or you don't need to expend. Exactly. Yeah, what do they what do they call it in Buddhism? Uh, in Buddhism, mm-hmm. it's called the Maha Mudra, and it's a, mm-hmm. a practice of meditation to abandon discursive thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's just abandon it because it's not the the worry is never going to help you. Right. And uh, you know, I'm sure that every whether it's religious, philosophical, or just like you know, a construct of like positive ways we can live our life. Like every single teaching would probably teach the same. Right. Exactly. They just use and different words to describe is, it in a different exactly. book, textbook, maybe, or book. But, but it yeah. all comes down to that. Like trust the good in your life. Trust the things that you love in your life because that, I guess that's like the carrot, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah. you know, the carrot on the stick, like yep. instead of that being, you know, like a treat, you know, or like a, Money, a trick, a car, a house, or whatever that you think. That love. Yes. And there you have it from Joda. <laughs> it's true, though. It's very true. I didn't know what we were going to talk about today. I was like, oh, man, I hope I know. It's a windy road. That's yeah. I, on our business show that we just did, listeners uh, that we're doing um, the business of mental health uh, with Dave Ballenberger, he just called me. So here's some behind the scenes stuff. He called me and this man, you know, he's got his master's degree in social work. He's been in med- the mental health field. He's, you know, semi-retired. So he's been in the mental health field for decades and runs successful company after successful company. And he's doing this great, you know, venture with me by doing a podcast where we kind of blow the lid off of the business part of mental health care and that makes people uncomfortable to talk about 
even though, yes, my friends, it is a business. <laughs> Yeah. But um, he said, oh, man, you know, that I, I thought the first show, I, you know, it was a little rough in the beginning and, you know, I need to be more polished. And I said, Dave, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, things will get smoother over time as you do shows. And um, that's not pod podcasting is not about polish. That's what's so great about it. it's about what's real. Yeah. So if you fumble is, you know, that's okay, because that's how we really talk in real life. Like, I, I like it when I get on with a guest, where exactly what we say when I hit record is exactly how we would have talked off the air. Right. I get bummed when I have a guest on and I, and we have a good conversation. But then when I stop recording, then I feel them go. And then we really wrap, you know, start talking and um, and I'm like, oh, I want to record that. That's what I wanted to record this right here. So the art of it is being a good enough host to help people move to that space where they forget they're being recorded and they just are for real and they're their most comfortable selves. That's an art of hosting. It's also, um, you know, finding guests that can do that. Um, and, uh, and navigating that journey because nothing that we do is in this medium is about polish. Yeah, it's really not. I, I mean, a good example of that is yesterday I went in to record a show and, uh, so I, you know, so, cause our listeners have no idea. I started a studio to record other people's shows and, uh, two women came in and, they were running late and they like had this whole script of what they were going to talk about and they were kind of stressed out. They had trouble meeting up. I don't, I don't know if it was transportation or what. And <laughs> they came in, you know, me, I, you know, they were a little late and I was like, seriously, don't worry about it. They were like, no, no, no. We hate being late. Like, this is the worst. Like they were really upset. You could tell like it really ruined their day. I'm like, don't worry mm. about it. We're going to do the show. And they just like abandoned the script and mm. started talking about what it was like, you know, juggling their kids and being self-employed and, and doing this. And and I, I was just like, that is podcasting. It's exactly what you just said. Yes. Like, it's just being real. You know, they just like threw out the script and just talked about how tough of a morning they had. And I was like, wow. I was like, this is kind yes. of what we do, you know? <laughs> yep. I mean, we're do, we do a mental health focused podcast. We have a mental health focused network. So it's all about being present, uh, being your most authentic self, being comfortable in being your most authentic self, um, doing shows, like I've said many times, while I'm actively in a place of trauma uh, or I'm triggered during a show and not hiding that that's what's going on. Like I've said it on shows, I'm having a really hard time right now, you know. Yeah. That's what this medium is about. Now for Lore, which is a podcast that got turned into a series on Netflix, you know, that's not what those podcasts are about. Those podcasts are about horror stories. And so their whole format is completely different. It needs to be more polished, whatever. But ours is about the human experience and hearing other humans talk about their human experience, which includes sometimes mental illness, mental health challenges. And you can't the, the exact opposite way to help anyone with their human experience is to put a bunch of polish all over it. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our goal is to be as for real 
and in the moment and present and conscious and awake and authentic as possible, even if we're in a really crappy mood, pissed off, didn't meditate, whatever. Yeah. That, that's our job is to is to show up and be human. And the fact that some of us get um, paid to do that is freaking awesome. Yeah. It's it's a blessing. Yeah, so. absolutely. You know, from from being told like why the heck are you recording music and writing books to now I'm a sound editor. Um, mm-hmm. That's uh, I mean, that's like the ultimate reward for me because you know I've always been I've always had that type of personality like don't tell me I can't do something because <laughs> oh man, oh man I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it well. So you know for all the yeah. doubt that. I had in myself and and others may had of had in me. Um, it's Doesn't matter. maybe that maybe my, my personality needed that, you know. Yes, maybe exactly. I wouldn't have succeeded without it. So uh, I'm I just grateful for this. where I'm at right now. Like, I wouldn't have created this network if I hadn't been told I was stupid. This is never going to work. It's a bad idea. Don't name it mental health. You're crazy. You're going to burn out. I mean, I've heard, uh, you know every support from people that I thought just really supported me and then tell me that the whole time they've been laughing while I've been doing this because it's utterly ridiculous. I mean, every shit thing that you could hear or experience I've experienced and guess what, you know, I'm still, I'm still doing it. Um, and and I don't say that with a ha ha. I just say like, Hey, I'm still, you know, I, there have been times where I've been like, but that's my ego and I needed to experience that. And now I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, they probably regret being mean or they don't even remember because it was a passing thought for them. I'm the one that took it really personal and I don't have to, I mean, I just got an email from someone who the other day who sent me a long email and telling me um, that I'll never be successful at doing this because I'm not the right person to, to run this network. And I was like, well, you are, because you're doing it. Well, so. yeah, exactly. I am because I'm doing it. But I, I, it was nice to read that and be like, it didn't know even, that know that that wasn't the truth. It didn't. So. Yeah, it didn't even cause a blip in my emotional temperature. I literally, right. it was like somebody could have said, a cat just walked across the street, and it. That's about how much um, emotion I put into reading that. Oh next that's their opinion and you are you are abandoning discursive thinking yes discursive Mahamudra. is that what it's called yeah, oh, discursive. Okay. okay you're in that process well we're going to talk about listeners uh, a couple of things i want to i want to point out we're doing uh, we're taking our empowered empaths show which is still by far the most i don't care what celebrity and mental health we have on that show still gets the most listens uh, hands down and we're t- we're making that finally its own podcast. So please don't stop listening to Mental Health News Radio. <laughs> still, still, please listen to this show. But know that Empowered Empaths is uh, is starting in December, and we're going to do things a little different. We're going to do recorded shows and interviews and stuff like that. But we're also going to have more interactive, where listeners that have been tuning in for a long time can call in during shows and ask questions and. Um, so we're, you know, I'm a creative person. I need to shake things up. So we're doing that. Look for that um, the first week of December 
you'll see it up um, on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com. And then we're going to keep doing these behind the scenes shows to have these kind of windy road conversations and talk about in, in the, in, in the interest of full disclosure and authenticity, um, what goes on for each of us that are part of this thing called, you know, the network, what, you know, what happens, what goes on behind the scenes. We'll have some funny stuff, uh, you know, that we talk about. I'm going to take notes of different things that happened during the week where I'm like only at this network would this happen and I'll save those and we'll talk about them on the air. So there'll be a lot of laughter too. And also like what just happened? That's awful. It's life. So we're going to, we're going to do these regularly. Also, we hope that you'll enjoy them and please email in questions um, you know, I just had the National Council for Behavioral Health um, call me and st- ask me a bunch of questions about how I do this network. Well, how do I how did I get my podcast to be successful when I'm really a quote unquote no one? <laughs> yeah. I don't think they meant to say it like that. But <laughs> I just laughed. I was like, no, it's OK. I get it. They were like, oh, we're sorry. I said, it's OK. I've sent out letter like when I was young. I remember I sent a letter to my favorite band, and in it I said something like, "You know, you guys don't play like the most technical music, but I love the way it sounds." And I was like, "Why'd you say that?" I was like thinking, like, and you know, you know what I mean. Like they weren't yep. playing like classical. You know, they weren't classically trained, or maybe they were, but you know, they're just playing like rock music, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I meant, but yeah, I still think about it to this day. I'm like, Why'd you say that. Yep. And it's nice to see those foibles if they're really a foible, but also to have people say stuff and have it not like. Well, it's cool that people just relate to you, right? So it's, I I don't think anyone takes offense to like, it's not like a backhanded compliment or something. It's just like. I was complimented uh, that they care about my opinion, you know? Yeah. And you're just a regular person like to them. That's cool. Yep. Exactly. You don't want to be this like bigger than life, you know? God, no. Oh my God. I can't even, <laughs> after hearing some horror stories from a couple of my friends that are mil- multimillionaires, the yeah. stuff that, and, and are very well known, um, you know, out there um, and hearing what they've been through. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want anything to do with that. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Joe, Joda, thank you. <laughs> For doing this first uh, behind the scenes show with you're me. welcome and, and thank you for having me as always i, I hope we could do part two absolutely oh, yeah absolutely next week my friend <laughs> well yeah yeah but i don't know if i'll have any more uh wisdom by next week it might take me six months to learn something i don't new think so in my brain so <laughs> just the fact that you put up with me calling you and going <laughs> with that i know are like did she like, what did she just drink before she got on this phone call? But that, that's no, how my, that's, that's what, how my brain works. And I, you know, you got to put it, put it into action. But anyway, now I'm starting a whole other show. So I've, we'll I've end this today. I've in discursive thinking about myself and others. <laughs> there you go. About it. I'm putting that up on my screen. Thank you <laughs> listeners for tuning in and we will catch you next time.
Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.